Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. The Westwood One Podcast Network presents The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. The churches were packed for Easter Sunday when the explosions tore through them. A string of blasts, at least one by a suicide bomber, possibly more. Nobody has claimed credit, if you like. No one had claimed responsibility as yet. A statue of Jesus Christ spattered in blood. There are lots of different communities living there. There have been tensions between Muslims in other parts of South Asia. Not so much in Sri Lanka. Very little of that in Sri Lanka. We're not sure who's responsible. At St. Anthony's Shrine in Colombo, the capital. This is an attack on the nation itself. St. Sebastian's Church in Nagombo. Or an attack on outside. And Zion Church in the eastern city of Batakaloa. Hard to know what exactly is going on here. This happened just a few days after a man was arrested carrying gas cans and a lighter into St. Patrick's. More explosions at three hotels popular with Western tourists in the capital. A scene of terror repeated time and time again. We can only speculate about that. I suspect heads will roll. Right again, radical Muslims were behind the Sri Lanka murder in the name of their God. 320 dead. 500 wounded. I was the only one in the media who said who did it right from the get-go. I'm not a genius. It was in some obscure papers in Europe. But the American media, to a man and to an empty skirt, would not tell you who did it. They said some people were injured. Tourists were injured. Foreigners were attacked. They would never say radical Islam or Muslims. It's getting very terrifying. It's getting to the point of where 1939, the Nazis are rounding people up, killing them, and the U.S. newspapers won't say German Nazis. They'll say some people in Germany are rounding up some people elsewhere. The media would not come out and say who was responsible right away. They won't even acknowledge the perpetrators. We knew right away who it was. It was obviously an attack on Christians by Muslims. USA Today is saying it's a retaliation for Christchurch or Christchurch in New Zealand. That's nonsense. They're using that as an excuse. Total excuse. The global war on Christians is intensifying. Totally intensifying. According to Fox News, Nina Shea, director of the Center for Religious Freedom of the Hudson Institute, said the United States must do more to protect Christians in countries where they are being slaughtered. No kidding. How about in this country? Christianity under attack, Sri Lanka church bombings stoke far-right anger in the West, says the Washington Post. Notice who the villain becomes, far-right. Not Muslims, not Islam, but the far-right, meaning nationalists who want to live. It's unbelievable to me what's gone on in this country. Unbelievable to me. You see, it is the right-wing fear-mongers that become the problem to the vermin in the media. Remember that church vandalism in France, when they almost burnt down an 800-year-old symbol of Western civilization and Christianity? Remember the name Notre Dame? Oh, you forgot it already, huh? Ignore it. That wasn't about religion. No. And just as we come out of Holy Week for Christians and a revered holiday for Jews and Passover, we are finding that more and more Americans may be turning back to God after what we had thought was a rejection of religion and its teaching. We never thought there was a rejection of religion and its teachings here at the Savage Nation. We knew it was the liberals trying to push religion out of the marketplace. 
But a new study says most Americans want more religion in this country. So maybe as one religion seeds power, another will grow to fill that void. It is the same premise as removing a dictator. You always run the risk of getting a far greater uh, dictator to fill the space of the last one. But as a nation founded on Judeo-Christianity, we still long for that relationship with God. And in the melting pot we have, we share many ways to worship. And now I turn to you, the callers of the Savage Nation, to take your comments and questions on God, religion, Holy Week, and more. And remember this, please remember this. I wrote a book entitled God, Faith, and Reason. It was a bestseller, but in addition to being a bestseller, it's a best reader. It's a book you don't want to miss. If you haven't gotten one, get one now. It's in paperback. If you have one, share it with someone. Now let's listen to what you have to say on the Savage Podcast. Right again, radical Muslims were behind the Sri Lanka slaughter in the name of their God. Have you become a victim of the timeshare trap? You think there's no way out? Well, Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group, has helped over 35,000 families out of financial hardship by getting them out of bad timeshares, and they may be able to help you too. Listen, if your timeshare agreement goes on forever, if you were told timeshares are a great investment or your maintenance fees will never go up, yeah, you need to get the facts about timeshare cancellation. For over 10 years, Wesley Financial Group has been dedicated to helping folks get out of a lifetime of debt by canceling their timeshares. So they created a free timeshare exit information kit that reveals how the timeshare industry works and your options for cancellation. To get your free timeshare exit information kit, simply go to iCancelTimeshare.com. That's iCancelTimeshare.com. I'll say it one more time. iCancelTimeshare.com. Thank you very much. iCancelTimeshare.com. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. I bet you say some days I wish this double chin would just go away. Who doesn't? Well, this Mother's Day, you wish is our command with Genucel's outrageous Mother's Day sale. Listen, double chin, sagging jawlines, and turkey necks. Ugh, our real problems until now. Introducing the new Genucel jawline treatment formulated with MDL technology. Robin S. from Lubbock, Texas wrote, I put that jawline cream on my neck like two or three days ago. That is the best my neck has looked in over 20 years. Several people tell me my face looks young. I'm blown away, she says. Sure, you could... Go for expensive or harsh treatments to look younger, but why don't you try this? Why would you do the expensive way first? From now until Mother's Day, the Genucel jawline treatment is yours absolutely free. When you order the classic Genucel for eye bags and puffiness, and with its instant effects, you'll see results in the first 12 hours. It's guaranteed or you get your money back. How's that? Just go to Genucel.com. That's Genucel.com. Or simply call 800-SKIN-891. 800-SKIN-891, and you're going to get a surprise Mother's Day premium gift with all orders. How? Call 800-SKIN-891 or go to GenuCell.com. That's GenuCell.com or 800-SKIN-891. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Let's begin with Stefan in Florida, Line 9. Stefan, welcome to the Savage Podcast. Where does divine judgment come into play? You know, it's a good question. I don't have an answer because I'm only a man who's been seeking the answer. 
about divine divine judgment. I I don't know what happens when we die. In essence, that's the question: Are we judged? What's there? I don't know. I don't have an answer. I won't pretend. I mean, if I were a phony preacher, I'd say I know. I don't know. I pondered it since I'm a child. Do I really know? Do I sometimes think that religion was created to scare men into behaving uh, a certain way? And if so, well, good good for those who created it all, because it certainly keeps people from doing crazy things. Otherwise, there'd be no red lights at all. Everybody would do what they want, and you'd have San Francisco in the world. So I, I, what do you think is divine punishment? Uh, well, I think there has to be accountability for sin. Um, I know that God, in his very essence, I mean, he's righteous. So because he's righteous, he can't be touched by sin. You know. Do you, okay, I'm not arguing, just asking. Do you think that we pay for our sin here in this life? I don't think sin can have earthly consequences. You know, the wages of, the wages of sin are death. You know that phrase, correct, from the Christian teachings the wages of yeah, I've, always, yeah. I've always asked about the the uh, grammar of that the wages of sin are death not is death why is it our death why is it the wages of sin are death not the wages of sin is death oh that's a good question you know what, what do you mean by the wages of sin are death i don't know if grammatically that is correct grammatically i think in english it should be the wages of sin is death but it's it's our death because i think we're talking about multiplicities here the wages of sin are death well, I don't know how to how to answer that. I mean, you could make it in a comedic sense, and I can put it into a sexual context of uh, why the French call the orgasm the petite mort, the little death. I mean, but that's too obvious to garner any kind of pleasurable response. But Clint is smiling at that one. I mean, why is it that so many people after orgasm feel so depressed? Does anyone know the answer to that? It's an interesting question unto itself. It's not like in the movies where they smoke a cigarette and everyone's happy. A lot of people go into steep depressions after they have an orgasm. <laughs> no, I know it's an adult conversation. It's not. It's nothing pornographic about this. This is actually an, this is an adult conversation. It's not a woman on a, on a pole. But let's stick to the good stuff. Let's stick to the uh, the uh, Easter Passover thing. I love these calls. New York, Chuck, line one. Go ahead, please, comment or question on the Savage Nation. Um, I think the problem with uh, talking about God is that the reality is far, 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 far bigger than the essence of God that we sort of uh, sense. And the problem with the uh, reality of human nature is that we grab onto things that uh, we can understand in the easiest way possible. But the reality is so much greater than anything that we could possibly understand that we just don't have the ability to and the uh, and the confidence to really know the truth because we're scared as hell of the truth. I can tell by your voice and by what you're saying you know much more than you're saying. You're right. I, are you a theologian? No. So what is it, if you can tell us any more about yourself? Um, I've been forced to think a lot about life because I uh, was very aware of life as a very, very, very young child, and I've been puzzled by being alive ever since. So uh, circumstances just dictated that uh, I had to uh, think. And you, to, have you ever been in trouble with the law? No. So it was a it was a physical illness. 
couple of things, one of which I had an out-of-body experience when I was around three. You care to describe it? Um, my uncle dropped me down a flight of stairs, and I cracked my head down on the concrete in the bottom. Uh, my mother was running with me about two blocks down to the uh, doctor, friend, and uh, suddenly I was standing across the street watching her run with me uh, in her arms. I was only a second or two, but uh, I was here, but my body was over there. Mm. I realized that religion, as I got older, didn't know what the hell was going on. And there's reasons for that, but uh, a lot of investigation and openness on my part has opened me to a bigger reality than most people are willing to handle. Are you a religious person today? Do you go to a, a house of worship? Well, that's a double-ended question. Um, I go with my wife to the Episcopal Church because that's where we got married, but um, I wouldn't voluntarily go exactly, but it depends on how you define religions. You know, like I said, there's a far bigger reality that... Uh, I okay, so in the still of the night, in the still of the night, in the nights you can't sleep, what goes through your mind? Nothing. Uh, circumstances um, make me sleep like a stone. I don't dream. Do you take medication? No. <laughs> you say circumstance. I mean, what do you? You know, if you take any medication, uh, I dream. I dream myself. I dream very vividly. Every night is like another movie in three D. And you know, I, I uh, uh, I'm jealous of you being able to, but. Again, circumstances in my you life. Want me, do you want me to help you dream in color? No, I used to. <laughs> no, no, you don't want to dream in color. It's all night long. I mean, I don't even know how I function. Afraid I mean, I should. I, how do you function all night long? It's like I don't know who, where I'm going that night. I cannot wait to go to sleep because I can't wait for the show. It's better than most of the movies I watch. On the other hand, it kind of agitates me, but yet I'm still alive. So go figure that out. It's it's a great one of the greatest experiences you can have. <laughs> it's unreal. It makes for a, a rather interesting night, uh, Night, you know what I'm saying? But I'll tell you, it's as simple as vitamin B6. You take a lot of pyridoxine, you're going to dream in color. In fact, if you, if you take too much pyridoxine, you're going to dream in 3D color. I have. Yep. Try B B6, see what happens to your brain at night. Thank you for calling. San Francisco, J-Line 2. Go ahead, please. You're on the Savage Podcast. How you doing? Uh, What's up, buddy? I got, I got the... Um the DMZ of heaven idea, right? So you're kind of um, showing up. We're on the we're on this earth, right? and then the, um, the you get called up. You better have your papers in order, and if you don't, they say next, and you don't realize that you've been on the fence on the outside of the country club, and um, you don't want to go be damned to hell for the rest of your life thinking what could have been. So, so what do you mean by get your papers in order? Explain that. Um. We have a couple simple rules, um, I guess, in Christianity, but um, basically it's through Christ, and um, that's what I believe. And um, he's the originator of rock and roll, and uh, when Sunday comes around, that roll, that rock did roll, and uh, he was gone, and he uh, rose from the dead. And then there was uh, 313 years or so um, afterwards, uh, Christianity was legalized, so that's... Um, the entire that's, that's older than the United States, you know. So, uh, well, you know what? I totally respect your view. I think you're a good person, and you're ready for whatever happens, right? What's that? You're, you're ready to enter that country club. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been waiting. <laughs> well, like, you're a lucky man. Most people don't know what you're even talking about, but I certainly got it, and I appreciate it. I love it. I love your faith, man. That's beautiful. Alex, Sacramento, line four. Go ahead, please. What's on your mind? Yeah, Mike. Um, been a long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, well, I've been wondering about why do Americans call it a good Friday? Because it seems That's like a I mean, great, great question. And there's an answer to that. I would call it Bad Friday. It was the day that Jesus was crucified, right? Yes. Well, Clint, do you want to jump on the line since you're the the, the guy who speaks uh, red Greek, Greek Greek and went to a Christian college? Why don't you explain what that means or why it means why Good Friday was picked? Uh, we always just assume that it meant good because it was the fulfillment of the prophecy that. Jesus would end up being the lamb or the sacrifice to make the metaphorical angel of death pass over us. But, but, but there's a but. Uh, there was a um, a story that once was called something else. Correct, right? And so, like the Germ- the Germans have a word that essentially means sorrowful Friday for it, ah, right? And that it could have been a derivative of the word like God's day. Rather right. than just Good Friday. Right. And I'm reading what you sent earlier. Uh, why do you call it Good Friday instead of Bad Friday? Because it's the day that Jesus was crucified. And you said in German, for example, the day is called Kaffertag, or Sorrowful Friday. In English, in fact, the origin of the term good is debated. You wrote me, some believe it developed from, a, developed from an older name, God's Friday. Regardless of the origin, the name Good Friday is entirely appropriate. Because the suffering and death of Jesus, as terrible as it was, marked the dramatic culmination of God's plan to save his people from their sins. But I would say that the older name God's Friday is probably where it derived from rather than Good Friday. I think that's what happened. So that's an interesting one. And I thank you for calling, Alex. New York, Jim, line three. Are you there? Go ahead, please. The reason I call it is while while you're on the topic of uh, talking about, you know, people clinging to God uh, at the end, etc., there's a great episode of The Twilight Zone, uh, uh, Rod Serling, he was such a genius, and I can't remember the name of it, but it takes place in like a, an immediate future, a possible future actually as of now, but um, the state has proven, quote-unquote, there's no God. So this man was to be executed, and they say to him, what is your method of execution? He goes, well, I want an assassin to kill me. So... Uh, he's at his apartment at night, and uh, the judge shows up, and he says, well, what do you plan on doing? And he goes, well, uh, there's a bomb that's going to go off at midnight. It's going to kill me. So the judge goes to leave, and the door is locked, and he can't get out. So long story short, time goes on, and it's about two minutes before midnight, and the judge goes, oh, God, please save me. Uh, Burgess Meredith is in the episode, great, great actor, and he's like, God, you say? I thought you didn't believe in God. It was fantastic. You have to see it. But, you know, it just goes to show. No, no, I remember those episodes. He was a genius writer. Who was it? Sterl? I forget who wrote those episodes. Yeah. What did he say to him? Did you say, odd you say that or, or, or odd save me? No, yeah, he said, he said, you know, God, please save me. And the state had, you know, specifically said throughout the episode, you know, we, prove, we have proved that God doesn't exist. God doesn't exist. Right. Well, that would be Bernie Sanders making sure that we all know God doesn't exist. Only he exists. Pretty much. Well, we know what we're facing right now. It's the atheists versus the believers. Actually, if you want to break down what's going on right now in in, in politics, I could break it down theologically. It's the atheists, meaning the Democrats uh, and the the, uh, communists, the atheists versus the believers who would be the Republicans and most of the independents. 
And uh, this is a battle for the soul of America at the end of the day. I frankly think that the atheists are committing suicide by continuing their persecution, in this case, of the president. Truthfully, that's what I actually believe. Jim, thank you for following me on to the podcast. We have a few other really good callers. Christian in Texas, line six. Go ahead, please. You're on the podcast. Dr. Savage, thanks so much uh, for taking my call and for the things you discussed today. That was terrific. Uh, I was raised Catholic. I married a a Jewish woman many years ago, and uh, we had four terrific kids. Hmm. And when it came time to, you know, take them to church or synagogue, uh, we tried church at first, like Episcopalian or something like that. It just didn't Mm -hmm. work out. We were accepted warmly by a Reformed synagogue Hmm. in Pennsylvania. Hmm. All four kids, you know, were raised Jewish. Hmm. It worked out wonderfully. And I came to realize that, you know, Judaism was really the foundation for Christianity. Hmm. And uh, like you said, Jesus was a Jew, and uh, the Last Supper was Passover. And it just. It's, it's, it, and most people don't know that. Say again? Uh, C- Christian, most people do not know that. I know. I, not a clue. Because as Catholics, we were never told that. You know. Well, it takes a long time on earth to know a lot of things, and even the most fundamental things are not known by most people. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate, I appreciate your calling on, uh, on this day, because this podcast is about the meaning of these powerful days that we are living through right now. We have time for one or two more calls. New York, Robert, line five. Go ahead, please. You're on the podcast. Yeah, greetings from the godless Upper East Side of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Love it. Beautiful. What's going on? Yes. The uh, gay conservative, Christian. And um, so happy Passover to everybody. And That's beautiful. Good Friday. I, want, I want to hear more about your life, but make, make your main point. I want to hear how you can be a gay conservative Christian. I, I'm, I'm dying to hear about that. But tell me about what you're calling about, about Buddha. Well, here's what I called about. Uh, what if Buddha or any other religious figure was fact a way for jesus to express himself in a culturally appropriate way <laughs> world. that's well why not what you're saying is jesus came back as buddha well not that he came back as buddha but that's how he presented himself in other words uh oh wait wait so the same divine spirit that was jesus appeared as that divine spirit as buddha to appeal to the people from from the asian world Right, because they might not accept someone who says, I'm going to be crucified, because they may not have an appreciation of that crucifixion or, or the giving of life for that. Well, it's an interesting idea. Then we go to the Native American who preceded us on this continent by 200,000 years, who certainly had a belief system, had a theology, exactly. believed, in, believed in the great spirit. So who was the great spirit? Who is the great spirit? Well, the great spirit is God, of course. Okay, so God spoke to the Native American, all of, all of diverse tribes, in, 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 in the ritualistic forms. I mean, many of them sm- um, ate peyote, for example. Now, why would they eat the magic mushroom or peyote but to reach the Great Spirit? Isn't that what they were doing it for? Well, I, I'm not familiar with that, but if that's, if that's what happened, yes. Well, it was a religious ceremony. Or go to South America, where the uh, people of uh, Br- the Brazilian rainforest were, were using ayahuasca 6,000 years ago. 
What was ayahuasca? What were they smoking? They were smoking the equivalent of, a, of an herb that had LSD in it, the equivalent of lysergic acid diethylamide in, in, the, in the smoke. So they were, getting, they were getting high. Why were they doing that? They were doing it in their, in their own way to, to uh, communicate with God in a more direct fashion. I think that proves that, people are, that mankind is desperate to know where he's from. It is true. Mankind, mankind cannot simply believe that he's a, like a worm or like a drosophila f- fly that came out of an egg and is going to live and die for a brief dance in the sun. And there's nothing before and after him. He cannot function with that for a very long period of time. It's, it's a very limited way to look at it. I think we do have to look at it in a more, in a more complex, um, organic uh, uh, fashion. I do. I do. Now, tell us about what you just said at the beginning, if you don't mind. I was curious. You said you identified as a Upper East Side. You said you're a gay Christian conservative, didn't you? Or did I mishear that? No, no, you heard correctly. Actually, I spoke to you about a year and a half ago. So tell me what it's like to be a gay man who is a Christian. What does that mean? Uh, well, it's uh, it's kind of lonely on the Upper East Side, I can tell you that. <laughs> There's no such church for you, is there? <laughs> no, there isn't. <laughs> it's not like the first church of gay conservatives on, a, on East 64th and 2nd Avenue, right? Exactly. I, I guess I'll have to find out where uh, Mayor Pete goes. <laughs> All right, let me ask you as a gay guy, what do you think of Mayor Pete? I personally don't care about his sexual orientation. I think he's a vacuous individual, has nothing to say. Well, he'll never be president, that's for sure. And what I think about him personally, from the little that I've seen on YouTube and such, um, I think he's a very good man. I think he is probably a good Christian in his heart. Uh, however, I think that by calling his legal partner his husband and potentially the father of their children is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And you are a person who is of the same sexual orientation as he is. Yes, and I have a partner for 18 years. We're not married because the idea of a man having a husband is ridiculous. Mm. So you're old school. You're an old school gay guy in plain English. I just turned 59, so yeah. I, uh, look, I grew up in New York. I had a few gay friends. I've said that before. None of, none of them ever wanted to be like their mother and father. They became gay because they didn't want to wind up like their mother and father. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a joke in a certain way. They didn't want the restrictions of that kind of life. That's exactly right. Of course, now I have those restrictions in the sense that my... Oh, so you wanted them. So in essence, you're a married couple. Yes, we are. Yeah, in essence, yes. Are you faithful to each other? Yes. Well, that's the main thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's the main thing, is that you're with each other. You're not sleeping around. You're not, you know, behind each other's back. Well, it's an interesting thing. You know, I know a very wise person who said to me once, it's a big world. And sometimes I get angry at that statement. What do you mean, I say to her? What do you mean it's a big world? She means it's a big world. There's a lot of people in it. So don't try to impose this one worldview that you have upon everyone. And it kind of works when you reach points where you start, you start to have to accept people for who they are and what they are. And it all breaks down for me to one thing. Are they a good person or not a good person? Can you trust them or not trust them? You know what I'm saying? That's what it comes down to me. Or as somebody said to me, I think all religion boils down to one saying, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. San Francisco, John, line two. Thank you for calling. You have a different view altogether. Go ahead, John, please. 
Hey, I just wanted to share with you, uh, you, you can be, uh, you know, highly educated and also have a strong belief in uh, the existence of God. Um, I was educated in uh, the sciences, I got a master's degree, and then I uh, went and joined the U.S. military. Uh, some events happened overseas where I can't explain how I was spared, um, but I think that uh, that those experiences really mm. solidified my faith that uh, you know, I may have been straying from uh, earlier on. Uh, but you know, now I'm, you know, still educated and uh, also have a stronger belief. That- I'm glad you said that because my book, God, Faith, and Reason, addresses those very elements. It's about God, about faith and reason. I didn't say faith is reason. I didn't say reason is faith. It says God, faith, and reason. In other words, you can be you can be science oriented, meaning you have reason, and you could still have faith. It doesn't mean they're mutually exclusive, right? Not at all, sir. And in closing this particular broadcast. I want to thank you, each and every one of you, for being so loyal to yourselves and to this program. And thank you very, very much for being here. The Westwood One Podcast Network.